Okay, so where we last left our heroes, um, the Russians were getting spanked. Oh, welcome to Skeezy Dudes, by the way. Russians were getting absolutely spankadoodle um, out in the east. Now, they still had the Baltic fleet. Now, this was, at the time, one of the largest groups of warships in the world. The only countries in the world that could hope to mount a meaningful resistance to this fleet were the British, the Germans, the French, um, maybe the Italians on a good day, um, and the Americans. Thank you. Lastly, of course, we have the Japanese. But you gotta understand, this is the eight. This is like the 1900s. There's still like extreme old-timey racism in effect, um, and they're basically like, you know, ah oh, yes, the Japanese mind is incapable of developing advanced naval strategy or of manning a ship in a way that will damage the enemy. Like, to be clear, I think most of these ships were built in the UK or in France or in America. Um, Japan's uh, shipbuilding industry hadn't quite caught up yet. Um, so they weren't at least doing the, oh, they're ships of an inferior eastern mag. Um, but they were being generally pretty, oh, resist. Um, yeah, and so you get this, this situation where the Baltic fleet is sailing to, you know, beat the Japanese. Now, they need to win this upcoming fight, or at least get a draw, or things are going to get real bad. Um, but, they fuck up every single step of the way. So first off, when they're like going past the British Isles, one of the ships like sends out a signal being like, oh my god, we're under attack by the Japanese. And they all just start firing all their main cannons everywhere. Um, it was British fishing boats. They blasted British fishing boats. This almost causes a war with the United Kingdom. Uh, the Russians are very lucky to avoid that. But as a result, the British cut off access to the Suez Canal. So they have to sail all the way around Africa. For starters. Um, there's all sorts of fun shenanigans uh, that go on during this trip. Um, one of the most famous is they stop off at Madagascar. And all the crew members like disembark and just buy all sorts of jungle animals. Like someone buys a tiger. Um, like people are buying like poisonous reptiles and fucking lemurs and shit. And they just they, they, these animals just go like fucking wild on the ships. Um, so it's like miserable. Uh, there's like several friendly fire incidents as they go on. They're always scared of being attacked by the Japanese. Um, and eventually, after a stupidly long journey, 
after a ridiculously long journey, they finally make it to Tsushima, and they see the Japanese fleet on the horizon, they're like, finally, we can, you know, win this war. They outnumber the Japanese, they've got Western superiority on their side, um, fucking their ancestors looking down on them, whatever, uh, and then they just get fucking, they get smoked, uh, they get folded, it's, it's not even one-sided, the British are still fucking mad about it, because after Trafalgar, this is the most decisive naval victory. Um, in fact, I think this is more decisive than Trafalgar because the Japanese, the, the Russians barely maintain any of their ships. The Americans try to claim that, like, their battles against the Japanese, like, they're like, oh, but, you know, we won some battles in World War II, naval battles with, you know, really good win-loss ratios, but they always had a, a, an extreme material advantage in those fights. Like, even the Battle of Midway, which a lot of hay gets made about, um, the Americans had a decisive material advantage there. Um, I mean, yeah, like, in terms of, like, um, I think, like, the Japanese didn't really have radar in the way that the Americans did. Like, there was, I guess, I guess, to give them some credit, there was, like, you know, they did outplay them, and there was the whole thing of, like, catching the Japanese ships with planes on their decks. But, it's not the same as Tsushima. Tsushima was an absolute devastation. Uh, it was a violation. Um, like, Tsar Nicholas is never going to recover from this, and he didn't. Um, so this is 1905. The, net, the Far East Fleet, uh, the fucking Baltic Fleet gets sunk. Uh, Russia is forced into a peace, but like, luckily for them, there's like, this is the point where the rest of Europe steps in and they're like, alright buddy, don't get too cocky to Japan. Um, and sort of like, shut down some of the more uh, extreme reparations demands, but it's still like they're forced into a peace. Um, this causes back in Russia uh, a literal revolution. This is like the first revolution. Um, they have a general strike and they shut down the entire country. All the railroads, all the businesses, like literally fucking everything shuts down. Um, and they demand representation because up until this point, the country is basically ruled as, like, Emperor Nicholas's personal kingdom. Um, one of the big sparking moments, I think it's Black Sunday. There's a lot of Black Sundays and Black Saturdays in history. Turns out the days that people are allowed off and go off to protest are also the days where a lot of people get shot. Um, but yeah, there's, like, this peaceful protest. And, like, this is a protest that was, like, pro-Zar. They were, like, they were, like, please, Tsar Nicholas, we want you to rule us, but we want to, like, help you rule, and then Tsar Nicholas is like, these motherfuckers are a threat to my authority, gun them down, boys, um, yeah, it's very hard to feel sympathy for Tsar Nicholas, because he, he absolutely made his own bed over
over decades. Anyway, um, they have this big revolution. At the end, it's decided, like, okay, we will do representative democracy. Um, you, you know, people are going to get a vote, and then that voted body is going to have... They're going to, it's going to be constitutional monarchy type. And everyone's like, okay, chill, sounds good. And then as soon as, like, the ink is dry and the protests have stopped, Tsar Nicholas is like, but I get veto over everything. Um, and I can also dissolve this, like, assembly whenever I want. Um, and because everyone sort of, like, stopped getting angry, it just kind of, like, chill vibes on. Uh, it's at this point that I kind of want to, like, interject and say, like, people have a stupid amount of resilience for, like, bullshit. Um, like, just studying the backdrop to the Russian Revolution, it's like, there are several points where you think, like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the point where people overthrow everything, but it's not. It's like, it takes literal decades of deprivations um, to build up the desire to like completely overthrow the system anyway um so yeah that's 1905 it's at this point that we should talk about all the leftist groups um i don't know if anyone listening to this podcast has ever like joined a leftist group in new zealand but there are shocking similar similarities between like leftist groups around the world and how like leftists worked in Russia so there was basically like half a dozens of different denominations of leftists and they all had their own individual groups and every now and then they try to work together but then like personal disagreements would rip them apart like um, there's two groups the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks right um two of the major groups and they're technically one group because they believed the same thing there was just like a personal disagreement uh based on like um i think like there, there was a guy who made someone kill herself or something i forget the specifics um and the way that Lenin, who was the head of the Bolsheviks, handled that pissed off all the people who split and eventually became the Mensheviks. But, like, in terms of, like, policy and ideology, they agreed on almost everything. Um, kind of wild. And that was, like, similar across. There was, like, the, the anarchists, which were never really serious. Sorry anyone who listens to this knows an anarchist um yeah they were the most serious they got were the um Machno's, like black army which like actually did work but yeah there's only like so much work one can do um yeah so yeah 1905 you have this like this revolution, it kind of fizzles, and now you've just got all these scattered leftist groups. Most of them, the like core membership is like a dozen members. Uh, and that's where we'll leave it for today.